I said something out of step last week. Did anybody catch it? Anybody know the error I made? No? What, what error did I make in last week's uh, Bible study? I said something that was incorrect. Anybody catch it? it? It would be a studyable point that a person should make a note and say, you know, I'm going to check on that. And uh, uh, can anybody think of it? This is going to be a great example of why you don't just take a preacher's word. Now, if I make a mistake and I catch it, I'll correct it. I'm not, I'm not, I don't know, you know, uh, I don't have a problem with that. But, uh, but I said something last week based on this. And it was, remember when we got down to uh, Revelations chapter, we were in chapter 19, and I started talking about the bride of Christ. Remember that? And I kind of messed some people up because they think that the church is the bride of Christ. And so I said regarding the, um, the ten virgins that it said, the Bible says that they were friends of the bride. I've, I got that confused because I went back and checked on myself. And that's out of John chapter 3. And, and the ten virgins is like out of Matthew chapter 25. And I got two stories conflicted. So that statement that it says that they were the friends of, of, uh, of God or the friends of the bride was not related into the ten virgins. But I will stand on what I said, that you can't take any verse in the Bible and make a case. You have to take verses out of context in order to make it say that the church is the bride of Christ. Now, what's that? I heard somebody say something. Oh, okay. Um, Now, if you stop and you think about it, and uh, in fact, just uh, uh, look over there on uh, Revelations chapter 19, verse 7. Uh, We started there. Let us be glad and rejoice and give honor to him for the marriage of the lamb has come and his wife has made herself ready. And to her was granted that she should be arrayed in fine linen, clean, white, for the fine linen is the righteousness of the saints. So we see that the righteousness of the saints is going to clothe the wife. And then go over to chapter 21. And we went over there. And it says, And I, John, saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down from God out of heaven, prepared as a bride, adorned for her husband. Uh, And so we we started seeing a glimpse that there was, in chapter 19, a differentiation between uh, the bride and the the saints. And then over here we saw that it referenced the city. Now we're going to deal more in it, kind of clarify it all up uh, in this session today. But just think about your New Testament and what you, what you are. What is the church? Okay, in, in, in a terminology based on the Bible as an identification point. What, the, who said body of Christ? The body of Christ. So we are actually, if Jesus is the, the bridegroom, and we're the body and he's the head, we're actually part of the groom system, not the bride system. And so... Uh, um, so we're going to see it come together tonight as we deal uh, with this. So we are in chapter 20 tonight. And uh, so we're going to start there. And, uh, and I saw an angel come down from heaven, having the key of the bottomless pit and a great chain in his hand. So an angel has a key and a chain in his hand. And he laid hold on the dragon, that old serpent, which is the devil, and Satan, and bound him for a thousand years. 
and cast him into the bottomless pit and shut him up and set a seal upon him that he should deceive the nations no more. Now this, that verse right there is really a key verse for the life that we're living right now. All Satan has is deception. Now we can say, well, he puts things in front of us to tempt us, but it's a deception. We think it's something good. We think it's something that we need. We think it's something that would be beneficial for us, and it's not. It's brought to destroy us. Everything is rooted in deception that Satan does. Till the thousand years should be fulfilled, and after that, he must be loose. So now we're at this point going from life as we know it into the thousand year, the millennial reign of Christ. So let me, let me just kind of preface what we're going into to make it understand at the point where we're at, at this point. Armageddon just happened. Okay, and in Armageddon, a lot of people died. You had the blood that, you know, came up to the horse's bridle. And uh, for, what do we say, about 180-something um, square something miles or whatever. Was it miles? Uh, miles, so it's a larger area and uh, everything like that. So we've, we've gone through the seven-year tribulation. Armageddon was at the end of the seven-year tribulation, about halfway through, or, or at the beginning of it, teaching my eschatology of a pre-tribulation uh, 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 rapture is at the beginning the church the remnant those without spot or wrinkle was taken up at mid-tribulation uh, we had the revelations chapter 7 saints taken up those who had robes of salvation but they were spotted and they were wrinkled we had the 144,000 we have the converts of the 144,000 go up uh, then we have the two witnesses go up and we've got this group of people. Now, remember the, the angels were doing ministry. And so there's people getting born again. And you've got the beast in a system operating that's trying to put a mark of a beast in people. And people are worshiping the beast in his image and those kind of things. And the Bible said that those who took the mark of the beast, they basically have doomed themselves to eternity in hell. And, uh, and then at the end, so, so we've got people in heaven, the raptures I just took, talked about, the resurrections. And then we have dead people, because remember we had all these vials and all these different things that were poured out and people died within the process of it. A great earthquake was in Jerusalem and just in Jerusalem, 7,000 people died. So you got a lot of people dead uh, from this. You've got people with the mark of the beast that were thrown into hell uh, and consumed on the day of Armageddon. Now we move into the millennial reign of Christ. Now, if you stop and you think about the number of years that a person lives, let's just round it off at 100, a high number, and a thousand years, millennial reign of Christ, one-tenth of, just think in context to just the millennial reign, one-tenth of your life is spent here for the nine-tenths uh, that's going to be spent over there. It really makes sense to do here now for that which is coming. And that's still on earth. So we, we really haven't gotten into the eternal element. So, so now the angel comes, there's an angel that comes that has keys to the bottomless pit and a chain to bind up Satan. And he binds him up for the thousand years because in the thousand years, Satan's not going to be uh, free. So he's no longer uh, going to be able to deceive uh, as he does now. And uh, so let's, let's go back to verse 20. I saw an angel come down from heaven having the key of the bottomless pit and a great chain in his hand. He laid hold on the dragon, that old serpent, which is the devil and Satan, 
and bound him a thousand years and cast him into the bottomless pit and shut him up and set a seal upon him that he should deceive the nations no more until the thousand years should be fulfilled. And after that, he must be loosed for a little season. Now, we have no idea how little the little season is. It's kind of a curiosity point because God says things like, like when the disciples are, you know, that we're in the last days and it's at hand. It's like 2,000 years later. So, you know, what is the short season? We don't know. And uh, uh, so then on this, and I saw thrones, verse 4, and they sat upon them, and judgment was given unto them. Now, I dealt with this. If you were on my Tuesday live stream, we're in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, and we dealt with how the saints are going to judge, which ties in to this time frame. But there's, a, there's an element in here that I think that we ought to think about because there's, there's a, they, in this millennial reign of Christ, all those who were the Revelation 4, the Revelation 7, the 144, all these that went to heaven, they're going to play a part in the thousand years. Now we see here in the beginning that there are those who are going to judge. Okay, so there, there, there's positions of authority. Now we read in Revelation chapter 7 of those saints that, uh, that they, will, uh, they will serve before the Lord day and night. So now what part do they play? I don't know. It's going to be a good part. It's better than being there. But, uh, um, but there's this, this, in this thousand year reign, um, oh, hey, we have, where's Mrs. Rhea? Rhea. Oh, so we have Mr. and Mrs. Rayo here with us today. <laughs> Welcome back, married. And, uh, and so, um, I lost my train of thought. And so, um, so anyway, let's get, so the, the thought that I have, because the Bible talks a lot about stewardship in this life. Do we not think that there is an element of learning how to walk in the principles of God that will qualify a person for the element of reigning in this position. If we can't manage our own life here, how are we going to judge others? Just a thought. All right, let's go back. Thank you. I appreciate one person thought that it was a good thought. All right, and uh, so judgment was given unto them. And I saw the souls of them that were beheaded. For, wit, for the witnesses of Jesus and for the word of God, and which had not worshipped the beast, neither his image, neither had received his mark upon their foreheads. So we know the time frame of this verse right here is those that were in the last three and a half years of the, the tribulation, because that's when the mark of the beast is going to come out, uh, in their foreheads or in their hands. And they lived and reigned with Christ a thousand years. So now we see a reigning element with it in Christ of those who were in the last three and a half years that stood against. Now, I want you to remember a word to him that overcometh. Remember when we were in Revelations chapter two and chapter three, every letter to every church was ended with to him that overcometh. Something very significant about the last three and a half years is it's the worst time frame of evil that the world has ever experienced. 
And, and we see here that these reign with Christ a thousand years. So we see the, the, um, in the first part of verse 4, those who, uh, who judge, and then now we see those who reign. Verse 5, But the rest of the dead lived not again until the thousand years were finished. Now, we have a lot of people who died. Now, there's a doctrine out there called soul sleep. Have you guys heard of it? Okay, I don't buy into it. I, I think it's a very faulty doctrine. Uh, you can buy into it if you want to. But basically, I mean, it's not like really critical whether you believe it or disbelieve it. Uh, I just don't believe it because I don't think it works biblically. Yes? Soul sleep. Oh. <laughs> and, uh, and basically what that doctrine is, uh, is that when you die, you go into basically a state of sleep. You know, kind of like somewhere before all this takes place and a person goes to heaven or hell. So like a person dies and then they just kind of like in limbo, asleep, and uh, until it all comes about and they go to heaven or hell. Uh, the reason, I, I think that, um, you know, part of it, I don't know the full study of how they get to it. Part of it is probably with they slept with their fathers. You know, that terminology is used in the Old Testament. But uh, things that violate it, is Jesus on the cross and the thief, this day thou shalt be with me in paradise. So it doesn't sound like he's going to sleep anywhere. It sounds like he's going to move from the cross into uh, with Christ. Uh, we have the story uh, in the Gospels of uh, uh, Lazarus and the rich, rich man. And when Lazarus dies, the angels came and took him into uh, heaven. And then the, the rich man went to hell and the rich man could see over and trying to get Lazarus to come, but, but they're not asleep. There's activities going on <clears throat> with them. So um, it's a doctrine. It's a well, uh, uh, I mean, there's a lot of people that believe it, so sleep. I, I don't see where it has. And so there's this place, because remember we just read here, um, but the rest of the dead live not again. So, so there, there's a hell, so the living is not... When you're, when you're dead, you know, before we got born again, we were dead to Christ. Okay, but we were breathing. We were, we were alive. We were existing. And so there's people in everybody, when they die, they go someplace, according to what I believe and see in the Bible. I don't believe in soul sleep. That <clears throat> angels are going to come get you, whether they're good angels, whether they're bad angels. I think one of the, the best testimonies I've ever heard about this was Dr. Barkley talking about uh, Miss Vicky's father, who Dr. Barclay said, if anybody deserved to go to hell, he did. Just said he was a mean man, wasn't kind to anybody, just uh, a bad life. And they, they tried to get him born again. He always resisted them. And they called him up and says, uh, you know, dad's on his deathbed. If you want to see him before he dies, you better get up here. And I think they lived maybe an hour away from him. So they drove up there. And uh, the, the dad was kind of going in and out of consciousness. And uh, he had gone out of consciousness, Dr. Barkley sitting there trying to talk to him. And he came back and he says, they're coming to get me. He saw something. And he says, they're mean. I don't want to go with them. Okay, I'm assuming they weren't angels from heaven. And he says that, and, and Dr. Barkley led him to Christ. And right there on his deathbed, he gave his life to Christ. He drifted out into, you know, whatever you drift out into. And uh, he came back into consciousness and he says, they're still coming, but this time they're nice and I want to go with them. 
So now, that's an awesome testimony of the born-again experience, but it's also, to me, a validation that soul sleep doesn't exist. And the reality is when you step out of here, there's angels re ready to escort you someplace. Okay, so now, these people that are in hell, they live not again. We're in verse 5. I think we're in verse 5. Yeah. The rest of the dead live not again until the thousand years were finished. So something's going to happen at the end of the thousand year reign. Uh, and so, um, but the rest of the dead, uh, verse 6, blessed. Oh, this is the first resurrection. Now, this is the first resurrection. In fact, probably verse 6 should start at this instead of the line after. But blessed and holy is he that hath part in the first resurrection. Did I mention you don't want to miss the rapture? Okay, that's the first resurrection. On such, the second death has no power. I don't know if that's me or not. On such, the second death has no power. So the second death is the determination of hell, the finalization of that. But they shall be priests, those are the first resurrections of God and of Christ, and shall reign with him a thousand years. Now, Okay, before we get to 7, I want to read about, because verse 7 is going to take us into when the thousand years are expired. Well, let me, let me just go ahead and do this. And when the thousand years are expired, Satan shall be loosed out of his prison <coughs> and shall go out to deceive the nations, which are in the four quarters of the earth, Gog and Magog, to gather them together to battle, the number of whom is the sand of the sea. So now, now stop and, and, and follow along with this. At, at Armageddon, we move into the millennial reign of Christ. There's still people on the earth that have not died, and they move into the millennial reign of Christ. During these thousand years, there's no devil to deceive. But at the end, and, and the kingdom of God, we're going to read about that, the kingdom of God is set up in operation. We know that the saints are... Uh, in Judges, we know that there's reigning with Christ, uh, with other of those resurrected, and, uh, and we know that there are, are those serving uh, during this period of time. They are not part of the people uh, on the earth. It's the spiritual kingdom is manifested. I mean, it appears that we will be there in like, it, not like, like right now where angels are around us and we don't see it. It's more like people will see us and we'll be doing things, but we're not in the same class. We're, we, we've made it. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. Okay. And so uh, um, why would God do this? Everywhere throughout the Bible, Genesis to all the way up to where we're at right now, everybody had a choice. Adam and Eve had a choice. You and I have a choice. Will we accept Christ or will we reject him? And God is a just God. These people that during the millennial reign of Christ had no deceiver, had no evil coming against them. God could not stand in judgment, allowing people to go to hell who, who chose to reject him when these people never had that choice. So Satan is going to be released for a short time. He's going to make a swoop. He's going to influence people. And it's going to come up together in the, uh, the battle of Gog and Magog. Okay, now, many, what happens during, uh, hang on a second, verse 9. 
Okay, let's go ahead and read 9. And they went up on the breadth of the earth and compassed the camp of the saints about and the beloved city. And fire came down from God out of heaven. These are, are against those who, uh, the number of whom is as the sand of the sea, came down from God out of heaven and devoured them. And the devil that deceived them was cast into the lake of fire and brimstone where the beast and the false prophet are and shall be tormented day and night forever and ever. Okay, so what happened during these thousand years? All right, he's bringing you a microphone. Pastor, during that short time that he's released, is that when he's going to also deceive those that are in heaven? He's not going to deceive people in heaven. Or what are you I referring thought, to? I thought we, you had shared about there was going to be a time where they were already in heaven and yet they still, almost like the fallen, like when Satan was and he fell, he got casted out along with other angels. Yeah, I but that's already happened. Okay, so that already happened. Right. So he's not going to... No, he's, he's going to deceive the people that are on earth uh, because during that thousand years, they're multiplying also. So the population is growing again. And, uh, and everything like that. And so he, those are the people that he's going to deceive. Now, I'm, we're going to read out of Isaiah. So go to Isaiah chapter 2. Um, and we're going to read three sections with, uh, uh, as Hilton Sutton teaches, which he's the one that I really follow. Uh, I like his teaching. I, I think it's really solid. But the, these refer, we're going to read some verses where Isaiah sees into, uh, as Hilton Sutton teaches, into this millennial reign of Christ. So, um, Isaiah 2, uh, verse 1, and the, word, and the word that Isaiah the son of Amos saw concerning Judah and Jerusalem, it shall come to pass in the last days that the mountain of the Lord's house. Now remember mountain when it's not related directly to a, mount, a, a pile of rocks, you know, dirt mountain, uh, means governments. The government of the Lord, the mountain of the Lord's house, shall be established in the top of the mountains or above all other governments. And shall be exalted above the hills, and all nations shall flow into it. And many people shall go and say, Come ye, and let us go up to the mountain of the Lord, to the house of God of Jacob. And he will teach us his ways, and we will walk in his paths. For out of Zion shall go forth the law, and the word, uh, and the word of the Lord from Jerusalem. And he shall judge among the nations, and shall rebuke many. Now stop and think about this for just a moment on the rebuke. We have people left on this earth. Armageddon took place. The people that are left, they now move into to, uh, the reign, the kingdom of God. Am I doing something on my microphone? Is that me? We're okay. Uh, and how do they think? Well, okay. Today's our first day in the millennial reign of Christ. Okay, where am I at there on number four? Today's our first day in the millennial reign of Christ. Yesterday, Armageddon happened. How do I think? Like just my processing of thinking. Just like I did right here, right? I have ideas of how life should work, about how this thing's going to go about and everything. So, so read that into, He shall judge among the nations and shall rebuke many people. And they shall beat their swords into plowshares. So they're going to beat their, 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 uh, their weapons of war into weapons of harvest. They're going to turn that which was for destruction into something that is helpful. 
and their spears into pruning hooks. Nation shall not lift up sword against nation, and neither shall they learn war anymore. Now, we, we see where this applies into the millennial reign because it's never happened to date. It doesn't look like it's going to happen uh, anytime soon. So, so we're, we come into this millennial reign, and it's like there's not going to be evil. There's not going to be wars. There's not going to be these things that in our lives, there's probably, I don't know if it's 100% true, but there's probably been a war being fought every day of our life somewhere in the world because there's, there's war skirmishes and different things that are going on all the time. So, so we have this mentality that we're gonna, people are going to go up to the house of God to learn his ways and he will rebuke them and say, stop thinking this way. This is how we're going to do it. And they're going to start shifting how they work. Does that make sense? Now go to, now go to chapter 11. We're still in Isaiah. Isaiah 11, 6. Now many people read this part about heaven, but we can see it's not about heaven from some of the things that are said. The wolf also shall lay down, shall dwell with the lamb, and the leopard shall lie down with the kid, <coughs> like the goat, and the calf and the young lion and the fatling together, and the little child shall lead them. Now, are there going to be little children in eternity in heaven? Now, the Bible talks about us being like him. Can you imagine being a, a baby, you know, three days old in heaven for eternity? Who's going to take care of you? And, and is the, is the, um, is the hundred year old person that goes to heaven going to be hundred the, the rest of eternity? No, it appears Jesus said we will be like him. Uh, he was crucified. Some people use like his crucifixion. That he was like 33 years old. 33 is kind of like a prime of life. Okay. So, so there probably won't be babies in heaven. Now the babies. I believe every aborted baby is going to be in heaven. But they're not going to be a baby, you know. They're not going to be a, a, a what's the word when they're in, still in the stomach? A fetus. A fe they're not going to be a fetus for eternity. All right. Um, they're, they're a person. And they would be a functioning, you know, uh, person. And you've heard people tell stories. You know, I, I kind of listen with a, you know, grain of salt because uh, people can kind of exaggerate. But people that's gone to heaven and seen people and talked about how they were young or, you know, or whatever. So, so this, this appears to be, does appear to be an element that is not in heaven, eternal heaven, but during this time of, um, of the thousand-year millennial reign, there's not, you know, animals are going to get along. Let's keep reading. And the cow and the bear shall feed, their young, their young ones shall lie down together, and the lion shall eat straw, like the ox and the suckling child. Again, we have a reference to children shall play on the hole of the asp. I think that uh, in some translations talks about like the cobra or, or something like that. Uh, and the wean child. So we have the, the suckling, you know, child, the, the baby. And then the toddler child shall put his hand on the cockatrice, which I think is a viper, uh, something like den. And they shall not hurt nor destroy in all my holy mountain for the earth. So now we hear we see back a reference to earth, not heaven, shall be full of the knowledge of the Lord 
as the waters cover the sea. And in that day, there shall be a root of Jesse. Who's of the root of Jesse? Jesus. Which shall stand for a banner of the people. To it shall the Gentiles seek. Now that's who left. That's who's left is the Gentiles or all those that, that were without the covenant of God that lived through everything. Uh, along with the Jews that remember that were, they were whisked away and protected. They're, they're still you know, on earth. And, and his rest shall be glorious. And it shall come to pass in that day that the Lord shall set his hand again the second time to recover the remnant of his people. That's what I just re- referenced to. Remember, he set his hand out, took the, the Jews and hid them uh, from the, the Antichrist. And then for the second time, he'll recover them, which shall be left from, and names all the places from where they came from. And he shall set up a banner for the nations and shall assemble the outcasts of Israel and gather together the dispersed of Judah from the four corners of the earth. Okay. Now go to Isaiah 65. Are you following me or am I going too fast? I was told last week, like, there was a lot of information in that. Uh, And I did. Usually I was doing two chapters. In these last two weeks, I did three. And um, because of what we were covering, I, I figured it would be not too much. Isaiah 65, 19. And I will rejoice in Jerusalem... And joy in my people, and the voice of weeping shall be no more heard in her, nor the voice of crying. Now, again, people tie this into, you know, eternal heaven, but we're still dealing with this time of the millennial. There shall be no more thence an infant of days, nor an old man that hath not filled his days. So now, so, so what we see here is we're not going to have babies dying. We're not going to see older men dying or older people dying without fulfilling, uh, you know, living, living a life and fulfilling the days of their life. For the child shall die a hundred years old. So if a, if a person dies at hundred, they're still considered a child. So we see that which is from the old comes back where people live a lot longer. They're going to, they're going to be living up through I, I don't believe it says, I don't believe I read where it says that people don't die. In fact, we, we see here the child that shall die shall die a hundred years old or long life is going to be among people. Um, but the sinner being a hundred years old shall be a curse. So what do we see there is that those who are here on this earth, Armageddon moved into the millennial. They don't have that same promise as the new people born. Make sense? All right, what's the last verse? Uh, Verse 21, they shall build houses and inhabit them. They shall plant vineyards and eat the fruit of them. They shall not build and another inhabit. They shall not plant and another eat. (coughs) Really kind of sounds like there's not going to be a welfare system. People are going to be able to take care of themselves, do things, and uh, and what they produce, they, they reap from. For as the days of a tree are the days of my people. For as the days of a tree are the days of my people. How long does a tree live? A long time. So he's saying it's going to be, And mine elect shall long enjoy the work of their hands. You know, it's, it's a funny thing about God and work. 
He kind of believes we should work. They shall not labor in vain. Meaning, do we ever work and it not works out? That ain't going to happen. They're not going to labor in vain, nor bring forth for trouble. Uh, actually, uh, somebody here have a... a, a what version do you have, Peter? Okay, read it, read it loud out of the New Living. That's uh, 23. They will not work in vain, and their children will not be doomed to misfortune. Okay, that's what I wanted to hit. So, so even the kids, because you, do you know that the Bible says children are an inheritance of the Lord? Yeah. It is not God's system that our kids get in trouble, die early, you know, go off on stupid, live dumb lives and everything like that. And he says, during this time, it's not going to happen. For they are the seed of the blessed of the Lord and their offspring with them. And it shall come to pass that before they call, I will answer. And while they are yet speaking, I will hear. The wolf and the lamb shall feed together and the lion shall eat straw like the bullock and dust shall be the serpent's meat. They shall not hurt nor destroy in all my holy mountain, saith the Lord. So, so we get a glimpse into what that millennial reign of Christ looks like. Now, we come down to the end of the millennial. We, we, and we saw the end where the, Satan is loosed. He goes in, gathers up. God consumes them. And uh, so let's go back in now. We are at nine. And there came unto me one of the seven angels, which had the seven vials full of the seven last plagues and talked with me saying, this is going to be real interesting, come hither, I will show you the bride, the lamb's wife. Now we dealt with it already twice. Revelation chapter 19, verse 7 to 8. Uh, Revelation 21, verse 2. But now he's going to show him who the bride is. And uh, verse 10, he carried me away in the spirit to a great high mountain and showed me that great city, the holy Jerusalem, descending out of heaven. Now, how did we get this? I was taught it too. I never read that. Or I read it and didn't get it. How did we get that we're the bride of Christ? Well, that makes us special, doesn't it? It's all about us. Um, but we're actually part of the groom system because we're part, or the bridegroom system, because we're part of the head. And this city, now, now the important thing is this city, how is this city adorned? Or what is this city adorned with? No, we read it. Go back to chapter 19, verse 7. Verse 8. To her was granted that she should be arrayed or adorned in fine linen, clean and white, for the fine linen is the righteousness of the saints. It is adorned in our righteous acts. Now, if you, if you stop and you think about this, where am I at? Verse, remember that I, I read verse, did I read verse 10? Yes. So remind me that I read verse 10. When you, Because we're going to start seeing this more. Everything that has gone on in the earth since, since Adam and Eve up to this thing, God has remembered it all. And he's doing things and he's watching things that we do. And when we come into this in point, 
uh, even the, the righteous acts that we do is going to adorn the city or, or, or be arrayed in the city, his bride. Now, this where we get into today's church, all about me and what I'm supposed to do and everything like that. Uh, that's Old Testament and it doesn't apply to me. God down here at the very end is still dealing with the Old Testament and the New Testament. He watches over his word that not one word will return to him void. People that say, well, that's Old Testament. It doesn't apply to me. The tithe. They don't understand God at all. They don't understand this Bible at all. Well, I am the church. I don't have to go to church. They don't understand this Bible at all. God is not segmenting things down. And we being the church, you know, the time and age that we live in, that we're somehow some kind of special and all this other stuff doesn't, that it was all done for us. We, we ought to realize, in fact, the Bible says, we have been grafted in. We should be more from the thankfulness stand that, that man, God, you allowed me to be a part of this. Thank you. Instead of that, it is about us. But yet the church, the age that we live in, capital C, the church lives for them. God wants me happy. No, God wants you obedient. If you're obedient, you will be happy. But this is all about him, not about us. All right. Now, verse 11. Having the, uh, well, let me read verse 10 because verse 11 is kind of, can, he carried me away in the spirit to the great high mountain, showed me the great city, the holy Jerusalem, descending out of heaven from God, having the glory of God. And her light was like unto a stone, most precious, even like a jasper stone, clear as crystal. Yes. Did I skip something? I just, now, I just now read it. Right, and I just now, right now, read verse 11. Uh-huh. Oh, I'm sorry, I'm in 20. Okay, wait a minute. You're saying, did I skip? Oh, I skipped that whole section? Okay, thank you. Well, let's just go back there then. Okay, because this is at the end of, and it's very important, this is at the end of the, the millennial reign of Christ. And I, after the, the battle of Gog and Magog, and I saw a great white throne. Now, let me tell you something. Let me help you. Have you heard the term the great white throne judgment? If you're there, be very sad. Ain't nobody going to heaven at the great white throne judgment. And I saw a great white throne and him that sat on it, from whose face the earth and the heaven fled away, and there was found no place from them. So at this point in time, uh, you basically, now the Bible says the earth is going to melt with a fervent heat. Did it happen right here? Yeah, possibly, or, or right in this time frame. Because at this point, there is nobody on earth. Now, the earth may not even exist. It may have been melted already, or it may come up just a little bit. At this point, there is nobody on earth. You have the people in heaven, you, the, the people in hell. This is where they're resurrected, and they stand before the throne. And, and, and that throne is in heaven. So the people that when they died and went to hell, they're now in heaven, which has to be a greater torment 
of seeing what I could have. You know, you, if you ever read about Alcatraz, they said that one of the horrible things about Alcatraz is they could see the lights of San Francisco and hear the music of San Francisco, and it just added to their prison sentence. To me, that's what this reminds me of right here, is that, that it's like you're getting ready to be eternally damned into hell, but you go to heaven first and stand before this great white throne. Now, and I saw the dead, small and great, stand before God. And the books were open. You know, the, the, you know who I want to see? Now, I don't know if we get to watch this or not. I, I want to see the, the Roman soldier that slapped and spit upon Jesus. Can you imagine, like, because he was probably thinking he was all cool at that point and all tough. I don't know. Out of all the people that will stand before him, that's the one I want to see. Um, and I saw the, the dead, small and great, stand before God, and the books were opened. Now, don't think there's not a book on you. You're, it's being recorded. Now, you can get things erased out of the book. Anybody know how to do that? Repentance. First John 1, 9. Live a repented life. How many times have you heard me say this? Well, how often, pastor, should I repent? Well, it depends on you. Maybe every 10 minutes. <laughs> Live a repented life. How, how often do you need to repent? Well, how often do you sin? And I'm not talking about the seven cardinal sins. I'm just talking about say stupid stuff, think stupid stuff. Uh, you know, everybody needs to repent differently or the frequency is probably different. But but don't make it like, well, once a day before I go to bed, I repent. That's great. What if you die at noon? Live. I would. I would really take serious this on two in two elements of life. If you're older and you know the time ahead of you is shorter than what it was behind you just on a natural system, I would really get into my spirit living a repented life to not have spots or wrinkles. Now, somebody might say, uh, and then the other class of people, that if you, you have a, a, a sickness that could be unto death, I would do it. Now, I would encourage everybody because nobody knows the time or the hour and something could happen. But on those two, I'd really especially pay attention to it. And don't think that because I'm not out in sin, that I don't have sin, because you may be dealing with pride. And pride is a sin. You, you may be racked in fear, and fear is sin. So, so I, the things that maybe you have not identified in your life, those could be spots, of, spots or wrinkle that take you from Revelations 4 to Revelation 7 saints. Just my two cents. Okay, and uh, the books were opened, and another book was opened, which is the book of life. Now, these people are not in the book of life, but the book of life was opened. And the dead were judged out of those things which were written in the books. That were written in the book of life. I got a question on that. Yeah, let him bring up a microphone for you. I'll get a drink of water while he's coming up. Um, in verse, you just read it actually. Why would the book of life be opened at the white throne judgment? Is it to show that their names were written in it? 
from the beginning? I would say it's probably that. Uh, uh, Ephesians chapter 1, God knew us before the foundation of the earth. In knowing us, he had a plan and purpose for us to see what our purpose was. Philippians 1.6 says that he stands ready to fulfill that which he started in us uh, to show that the, everything was there to do it. You just rejected it. That's how that that's a Davidism. That's how I would interpret it. But it makes sense as a witness. Yeah, that that here here is the here is the book. Here is what I written about you. He knows every single one of us. That's why we need to. And this is where um, a lot of people, you know, the old joke about uh, people say, "Well, I don't feel led to do that." And then somebody came up. You know, they would carry a, a bullet in their pocket. And when somebody says, well, well, I really don't feel led to do that, and they, they pull out a bullet, and they say, here, rub this thing on the end. Huh? Yeah, just put your finger on there and rub that. And they rub it, and they say, well, now you felt led. <laughs> so let's get to work. Okay? Uh, because do you, do you, here's, here's the thing about walking with God. If you really understand eternity and everything that God's doing, you want to put your hand to everything you can put your hand to. Churches which every church in America, probably around the world, battles with this, they struggle getting people to help. Paul talks about the ministry of helps. Christians should, if they really understand God, they should help in any arena, if, even if you've never felt led. Well, I'm not called to that. Well, I don't feel called to it. Well, yeah, but do you physically have the ability to do it? Well, you know, spiritually speaking, I think my, my time is better spent. No, you don't understand the Bible. There, I, I can tell you, I can help you with one thing. There is no such thing as a calling to pew sitting. In fact, it's, it's funny how people like to use the vernacular. Well, I am the church. Well, why don't you do church stuff? Why do you only do what you like doing instead of helping where it needs help? See, we're going to have a, uh, Bible talks about storing up treasure in heaven. There's things that we do that creates a reward in heaven, and people fight doing the things that builds those rewards down here. They're more interested in what they want. And, and I always think it's funny, uh, 28 years of ministry, it's happened multiples of times, how people with their spirituality, well, I believe It'll all work out for you, but, but I just don't really feel led to do that. Okay, you don't read your Bible. Um, all right, let's go back here. <clears throat> okay, did I finish this? No. And I saw the day great uh, stand before the Lord. The books were opened, and another book was opened, which is the book of life. And the dead were judged out of those books, which were written in the books according to their works. Now, I want you to notice that. Did not judge them according to their spirituality, Judge them according to what they did. Works. Well, we're not Old Testament. No, but we're still Bible people. And the sea gave up the dead which were in it, and the and death and hell delivered up the dead. I've already I've talked about this, but now we're it's not like in a, a chronological order. But all the people that were dead are resurrected to stand before the white throne judgment. Uh, we're in them. Now, all the people that were dead, that were born again believers, they went up, if they were rapture ready, they went up in the same time Revelation 4 saints went up. Uh, if they were uh, needed to cleanse their, you know, they're born again, might have gone up with the, the Revelation 7, but all the born again believer that had physically died 
has already you know, been resurrected. These are the ones that went into hell. And so we, uh, the sea, uh, which were the death and hell delivered up the uh, dead, which were in them. And they were judged every man according to their, oh, again, works. And death and hell. Now watch this. Th this, this is another verse right here. Verse 14 <clears throat> of why I don't believe in soul sleep is that when you die. Now, there's people that went to heaven, but we're dealing with the hell side now. They went to hell and hell Death and hell were cast into the lake of fire. So it's like there's two different places and this hell is now cast into the lake of fire. Does that make sense? This is the second death. Now remember back in verse, uh, I think it was verse 6, Blessed and holy is he that has part of the first resurrection. This is the second resurrection. You don't want to be in the second resurrection. Follow me? And whosoever was not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. Well, what about the grace teaching that everybody goes to heaven because of uh, grace? You got you to gotta bypass a lot of biblical instruction to hold that doctrine. And there's a lot of churches, there's big churches that preach there is no hell. They got to cut the, uh, the words out of the Bible in order to teach that. So, so then I've read 21, right, down to verse 11. So we're not going to read it again because of time's sake. So uh, the, the new Jerusalem, holy Jerusalem in verse 10, descended out of heaven, having the glory of God. Her light was like the stone, pres uh, most precious, even like a jasper stone, clear as a crystal, and had a great and had a wall great and high and had 12 gates. And, the, and at the gates, 12 angels. Now, the interesting thing to me that I don't understand is this, this uh, New Jerusalem has a wall, which we're going to read around it, gates, an angel parked at each gate. Who is it that they're standing against to keep out? Or, or how is that? Now, we know with the, the, what the story that I just said that, uh, but it says there was a great, great gulf affixed between them when the rich man wanted Lazarus to come put water on his tongue. So maybe those that are in the lake of fire can see it and they can see the doors are open, but you can't get past. Maybe it's something like that. And the names written thereon, which are the names of the 12 tribes of the children of Israel. Now we're all the way, man, we're way past Old Testament, Old Covenant, but yet their names are still standing. This is where the, the idiocy of, well, that's Old Testament. It doesn't apply to me. Uh, but there's a lot of people that believe that. On the east, three gates. On the north, three gates. On the south, three gates. On the west, three gates. And the wall of the city had 12 foundations, and in them the names of the 12 apostles of the Lamb. So each of the foundations are named after one of the apostles of the Lamb, you know, Peter, uh, John, etc., and he that talked with me had a golden reed to measure the city and the gates thereof and the wall thereof. And the city lieth four square and the length is as large as the breadth. And he uh, measured the city with the reed, 12,000 furlongs, the length and the breadth and the height of it are equal. So it looks like it's a square, a cube, something like that. Uh, does the Amplified Bible give not furlongs and how much? Yours says 14, hers says 15. 
14, okay. So you've got 1,400 miles. Okay, that's what I have is 15. So what, what Bible are you reading? King James. King, oh, really? I'm reading King James. Mine says furlongs. Probably New King James uh, uh, in it. So uh, everything I've read has been like 1,500 miles, 1,400, 1,500 miles, whatever. That's really big. So at the 1,500 uh, measurement that I uh, dealt with, Israel right now is, okay, 1,500 square miles was like 200 and something million square miles, something like that. Uh, I had it written on my notes in there, but I didn't type it on my notes here. But Israel is 10,500 square miles. And uh, so in comparison, like the whole country of Israel is like not even a blip inside of this. Uh, One example I read said based on the, the square mileage of it, you could put 10 Texases in it. So that's pretty, that's pretty high uh, or pretty large. You could fly a jet aircraft in that. And, uh, and then it's 1,500 miles high. Well, is that open space or are there levels? The Bible doesn't say anything about levels. It might just be open space for sky like we have right now. But, um, but we're talking about a very large area. And he measured the wall thereof, 144 cubits, according to the measure of a man. That is of the angel and the building of the wall of it was like of jasper and the city was pure gold like into clear glass and the foundations of the wall of the city were garnished with all manner of precious stones the first foundation was of jasper the second of sapphire the third of um, chalcedony if i'm pronouncing it right the fourth an emerald the fifth sardox the sixth sardius the seventh chrysolite the eighth beryl ninth uh, topaz the tenth chrysophrasus and the 11th, Jaseth, and the 12th, Amethyst. And the 12 gates were 12 pearls. Every several gate was of one pearl, and, and the streets of the city was pure gold, as it were, transparent. So it's going to be a beautiful place. Yes? Now, you said 1,400 square miles? Mine says 14,000. No. I've never read 14,000. Is it, does yours say 1,400 or 14,000? 1, yeah, they're the ones I read. Uh, were the first one 12,000. 12,000 square miles? Mm-hmm. Oh, I, 12, what is yours, the NIV? What's stadium mean? Okay, so like a thousand, four. So so if you take take four uh, take fourteen hundred times fourteen hundred, like on your you got a calculator in your hand. Don't do it in your head. No, that's why I said don't do it in your head. You added them and didn't multiply them. Fourteen hundred times fourteen hundred. How much? One million nine hundred sixty thousand square miles, and if you if you take the fifteen hundred uh, square miles, it's up like two point two million square miles. That, that's that's a lot of distance and space. All right, let's get through this. And I saw no temple therein, 
verse 22, For the Lord God Almighty and the Lamb are the temple of it. And the city had no need of the sun, neither of the moon, to shine in it. Uh, for the glory of the Lord did lighten it, and the lamp is the light thereof. So what is the brightness of the lamp? Well, remember in Genesis chapter 1, when um, John saw Jesus, he said his countenance was as the noonday sun. Now, he's in, over in the Middle East, so I mean, that's like a really bright sun. And his eyes were as a flame of fire. So he said, there's no need to light in there for, for the glory of God did light it, and the Lamb is the light thereof. And the nations of them which are saved shall walk in the light of it, and the kings of the earth do bring their glory and honor to it. Now, I don't see that as kings as like as a king like we know it, because Jesus, or the, both Old Testament and New Testament, says that God wants a nation of kings and priests. So it's probably, to me, is the honor that's going to be in there are those Christians that walked as kings of God, following what God has said. Because I can't see, like, you know, the king of Saudi Arabia bringing honor into, the, you know, this, probably not even going to be there. And uh, don't know the guy personally, but probably a Muslim. And, uh, and so uh, somebody that is of a king is bringing honor into it. So I would think they would be honorable in this life. And the gates of it shall not be shut at all by day, for there shall be no night there. And they shall bring the glory and the honor of the nations into it, and there, um, which all nations are going to be represented. So kind of even like David words. You know, we got our sign saying, USA, USA, USA. And, and Sergey's over there, Russia, Russia, Russia. You know, oh, you're not going to do that? Uh, but, but the believers of nations, uh, and if we go back all the way back into Genesis, where God um, uh, dealt with Abraham, he wanted all the nations of the earth to be blessed through him. And so, so um, um, do we lose our nationality. I don't know. And not that we're, you know, for the, the natural government, but we are from different places. We are of dif different ethnicities, and God loves all that. And there shall in no wise, and there shall in no wise enter into it anything that defiles, neither whatsoever worketh abomination or maketh a lie, but they which are written in the Lamb's book of life. So that tells us that to be written in the Lamb's book of life, that... Uh, we should have nothing defiling in our lives. We should have nothing abominable in our lives. We definitely shouldn't lie to be, to be written in that. And uh, uh, praise the Lord. Verse chapter 22. And he showed me. Yes. Did I miss another section? Oh. Okay, so I didn't I didn't read one through what? Okay, so let's go to twenty one through eight. And I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth were passed away. So now we know that. So so if you remember in twenty when we were dealing with the white throne, I said I don't know if it's dealt. 
gone yet, but in verse 21, we see there's a new heaven and a new earth, so now we know it's gone. For the first heaven and the first earth were passed away, and there was no more sea. So in this new earth, there's not going to be oceans. And I, John, saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down from God out of heaven, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I think from there I jumped over into like 9 and 10 uh, when I was dealing with the, the bride element. And I heard a great voice out of heaven saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is with men, and he will dwell with them, and they shall be his people. And God himself shall be with them and be their God. And God shall wipe away all the tears from their eyes, and there shall be no more death, neither sorrow nor crying, neither shall there be any more pain, for the former things are now passed away. And he that sat upon the throne um, said, Behold, I make all things new. And he said unto me, Write these words, uh, write, write, for these words are true and faithful. And he said unto me, It is done. Now, remember on the cross, he said, it is finished. Now he says, it is done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, which is what he said when he appeared to John in Revelation chapter 1, verse 8. The beginning and the end, I will give unto him that is a thirst of the fountain of water of life freely. Now, this verse 7 is the eighth overcoming statement. We had one in each of the seven letters to the seven churches in Revelations 2 and 3. Now we have the eight. He that overcometh shall inherit all things. I will be his God and he shall be my son. Now this is something that I keep stressing. I even did a, a live stream on it on overcoming. This is why I keep saying stand against sickness. Do you know if sickness tries to get on you and you're able to beat it, do you know what you just overdid? Or I just gave the do you know what you just did? You overcame. Lack is trying to get on you. Inflation's trying to make you poor and you beat it and you stay ahead of it. Do you know what you just did? This is the overcoming. Everything that Jesus did and empowered us in, you and I have got to overcome. That's why I said quit yield, especially when I talk about sickness trying to get on you. Stop yielding to it. There is a certain population of our, I don't know what percentage it is. It's probably pretty high of people that just, they cannot stand not feeling good. Do, do you know what I mean, that person? Not, nobody likes not feeling good, but there's people that if they just feel a little bit not good, they're running to a medicine. They're running to something to inject in their body to alter the way they feel because they're so bent on not feeling bad. You're not an overcomer. You got to stand against it, Amen. and you got to battle it and and overcome it. Same thing with with lack. There's a lot of people. I don't like not having money. Well, everybody would say that, but then they won't walk through it and press against it and overcome it. They go get a loan, and just enhance their problems and go do something you know within the world system to try to make it work. To him that overcometh. And, and a lot of Christians are not trying to overcome. Are you trying to overcome the evil that is in this world? Or are you just entertaining yourself with it on the news? I won't go there. Oh, okay, that was verse 7. Uh, the eighth one, he that overcometh shall inherit all things. Apparently, the person that doesn't overcome is not inheriting all things. I will be his God, 
apparently he will not be their God and he shall be my son. And apparently they're not his son. son. But verse 8, but the fearful. Do you know what causes a person to not overcome? Fear. Now, you probably heard me once or twice say, get fear out of your life. I, I beat this drum all the time. Why? The fearful and the unbelieving and the abominable and the murderers. So with abominable and murderers are fearful and unbelieving. Well, I just don't believe that can happen for me. You're one of these. Did you guys hear that? Uh, yeah, come up here and bring the mic up here so she can reread re it. It's out of the Amplified Classic that she's reading out of. Abominable. Say that three times fast. No. It says, who are devoid of character and personal integrity and practice or tolerate immorality. Murders, whoremongers, sorcerers. Now, this word sorcerers, I'm not going to go deep into this word, but I got a whole thing of Greek here, and um, is a different word that is typically translated into English as uh, sorcery. Three times, and uh, Dr. Hilton Sutton brought it out three times in the book of Revelations, when this word is used, it has a different origin of it and from the other places in the Bible. And it's the... the um, the Greek word, um, what's the Greek word, Sergey? Say it again. Do you remember it? The guy can read Greek. I showed it to him, and he read the word. It's in Greek letters, and he read it. Nerd. Pharmacois. But, but that's where we get our, that's where we get our, um, our word pharmacy. Okay. And the definition, this is a printout of the word from the Greek, and it's um, drug. Drugist, and it, it really identifies drug addiction and and the element of that. Now, how deep it goes, and how dependent a person is on drugs. It all it all ties into this. And the amplified it says intoxication. Um, so. We live in a society right now that is drug addicted. And we live in a society that if I feel any certain way in my body, people run to get another drug. Uh, and, and Hilton Sutton makes a big point out of this, bigger than what I'm going to make out of it, but it's in there. And, and drug usage, um, you know, it falls into this category. Uh, you, you should be, number one, you don't know what they're putting in them these days. And uh, number two, watch a commercial on it. You know that there's 142 side effects for the one thing that it might accomplish. You should be believing God and trying to get off and, and separated from all drugs. Now, I'm not telling people to stop using the medication they're prescribed, but the mentality, in my opinion, should be, uh, in fact, you know, if you were on a, uh, in fact, James gave that testimony uh, that was really powerful that he was like taking 150. I don't remember the exact numbers and he got down to 30. That's overcoming. And, and if we can get ourselves delivered off of that's that's an overcoming element. What puts us in the other category and idolaters and all liars 
shall have their part in the lake which burneth with fire and brimstone, which is the second death. Now, remember what we read, because I've been reading out of order, is that uh, you don't want to be part of the, there's no power of the second death over those that, that, are, that are there. And um, uh, so then I, I read verse 9, so let's go to chapter 22 and wrap this thing up. Uh, we only got 21 verses, and it's going to talk about heaven. And he showed me a pure river of water of life, clear as a crystal, proceeding out of the throne of God and out of the Lamb of God. So out of the throne is this river, uh, clear as crystal, uh, proceeding out of the throne of God and of the Lamb. And in the midst of the street of it, where it flows down in that street, on either side of the river was there the tree of life. Now, that would be the same tree of life that's talking about that was in the Garden of Eden. I don't know the exact same one, but, you know, it's it's the same uh, tree, which bare 12 manner of fruits and yielded her fruit every month. And the leaves of the tree were for the healing of the nations. Now, this is one thing I'll just honestly tell you. I don't get it. We're in heaven. What do you need to be healed from? But it obviously obviously is very important uh, because it's there. Are the 12 manner of fruits yielded every month? Is that for our enjoyment? Or is it for our necessity? I don't know. Uh, but it's in here. It's important. And I, I, I don't have any uh, thing that I could take that any further. It'd just be speculation. And there shall be no more curse, but the throne of God and of the Lamb shall be in it, and his servants shall serve him. Now, you remember we talked about in Revelation chapter 7, those that serve before him day and night. We find it here. David said, I'd rather be a doorkeeper in the house of the Lord than dwell in the tents of the of, of uh, the wicked. You, you want to be a servant in heaven more than you want to be in hell. Like huge difference. Uh, did I mention anything about not missing the rapture? That's the better option. All right. And they shall see his face and his name shall be in their foreheads. And there shall be no night there. They need no candle, neither light of the sun. For the Lord God giveth them light and they shall reign forever and ever. And he said unto me, These things are faithful and true. And the Lord God of the holy prophets sent his angel to show unto the servants the things which must now be done shortly. So all the way back to the prophets has been describing what was going to come. Again, don't subscribe to the doctrine of, well, that's Old Testament or that doesn't apply to us today. God is dealing with the whole from start to finish on everything, and he's not going to let anything fall to the side. And he said unto me, these sayings are faithful and true. Uh, oh, I read that verse 6. Verse 7, Behold, I come quickly. Blessed is he that keepeth the sayings of the prophecy of this book. Now, in the behold, I come quickly is a predating to, you don't want to miss the rapture uh, because of all these things. I've warned you. I've told you. I've, I've, I've explained this thing to you. John saw this. Uh, get yourself right. And I, John, John, saw these things and heard them. And when I heard that, and when I heard and seen, I fell down to worship before the feet of the angel, which showed me these things. Then saith he unto me, See thou do it not, for I am a fellow servant. Do you know that's like the second, third, fourth time that he's fallen at the feet of the angel, and the angel says, Stop, knock it off, man. I'm, 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 worship God, God only. Uh, we need to get over ourselves, like the angels have gotten over themselves. Uh, you don't worship me. You worship God. And of thy brethren, the prophets, and of them which keep the sayings of this book, worship God. And he saith unto me, seal not the sayings. Remember Daniel, he told to seal up some things. For the time was not yet. For John, he says, no, put them in a book. Let it, share it with people. 
Seal not the sayings of the prophecy of this book, for the time is at hand. He that is unjust, let him be unjust still. He that is filthy, let him be filthy still. He that is righteous, let him be righteous still. And he that is holy, let him be holy still. And behold, I come, or, or everybody has the right to live their life how they want to live it. But you've been given a book so that you can understand it. And behold, I come quickly, and my reward is with me to give every man according to his, the intents of his heart and how he loves. Oh, no, my Bible doesn't say that. It says to give every man according to his, as his work shall be. God is watching what you and I are doing. How do I stress that? Get, what's that? His eyes are over the evil and the good. What are you doing for him? To the, mer- to the merit of his deeds, and then what? Earthly works and faithfulness. Earthly works and faithfulness. How faithful are we? That's not a statement of how much faith we have. How faithful. Modern Christianity in the United States, uh, you know, I say it all the time that there's no honor in people. If there's no honor in a person uh, or very little honor, there's very little faithfulness because what they're faithful is to themselves. I am the Alpha, the Omega. He said that in the Genesis chapter 1, the beginning and the end, the first and the last. Blessed are they that do his commandments, that they may have right to the tree of life. And may, so that tree of life is important for something. You want to have right to it. Marcus? Uh, I have a question. Uh, it mentions the tree of life in Revelation 22. Uh-huh. Uh, when I give you a gimmick tree, um, it teaches you how it kicks Adam out of the garden of Eden. Mm-hmm. Well, that's the question that I have because this tree of life obviously plays a big part. Now, he put an angel guard over the tree of life, you know, and he banished him out of the Garden of Eden so that they could not return. But once Adam had eaten the, the fruit and had been separated from God, if he'd have ran to the tree of life, he could have restored himself. But God couldn't allow him to do that. So it plays in and it plays to my point of Everything's God doing. It started in the Garden of Eden. He's never left his plan. There's, there's different segments of how he dealt with people under judges, under the law, under you know different things like that. But he's watching over his whole word. Once we get to heaven, yeah, that's my question. Is it just for pleasure or is it needed or, or whatever? Be- I know it. So is it so that we have a different fruit for every month? Because there's 12 fruit. They yield every month. So is it so we have a different fruit for every month so we're not like the Israelites and get bored with the manna? Or is, or is it the restoration of, uh, you know, to stay right with him? I don't, I don't know. I've never really heard anybody talk about it and I've never seen anything on it. So I don't know the answer to your question uh, in all honesty. I was never going to wait until you finished reading, but uh, the Bible says that his word will not return into his void. Correct. The tree was created by his word. The tree was also created for us. There's two elements to the tree that he was just talking about. One of them is living forever, and the other one is knowing all things. Our, our uh, 
being, which is what God intended, would, would actually be, I'm going to say, magnified to where to the position that we should have been in had had not sinned? Well, and I, I guess my argument with that, I'm not disagreeing with it, but if I, if I was going to argue with it, it said, we read it, that the knowledge of God would be present in the earth. So it's not hidden from us anymore in that sense. Why do I need to eat fruit to understand it? Well, that goes back to your question. Why did they put the, why did he put the angel there to guard? I know it. And now the angel's at the door of the 12 gates. Yeah. So I, I mean, I'm saying it is important and it plays in there. Yeah. The exact functionality of it, I, I wouldn't be strong enough to, to say that I really think it's this. Um, what verse did I, I stop? 13. I am the Alpha Omega, beginning and the end, the first and the last. Blessed are they that do this commandments, uh, that they might have right to the tree of life. You want the right to the tree of life and may enter in through the gates of the city. Now, from what I read, that's everybody who's in heaven has to enter in through the gates of the city. Um, just a re-inference on that or something more, we don't know. For without are dogs and sorcerers and whoremongers and murderers, uh, and whosoever loveth and maketh a lie, so without are these. So is it hell is not very far away and they can see in part of their torment? I, Jesus, have set mine angel to testify unto you these things in the churches. I am the root and the offspring of David and the bright and the morning star. And the spirit, of, and, the spirit and the bride say, come. So the bride says this also. So the bride speaks. The city? Interesting. Let him that heareth say, Come, and let uh, him that is a thirst come, and whosoever will, let him take the waters of life freely. For I testify unto every man that heareth the words of the prophecy this, of this book, if any man shall add unto these things, shall, God shall add unto him the plagues that are written in this book. And if any man take away from the words of the book of the prophecy, God shall take away his part out of the book of life and out of the holy city and from the things which are written in this book. He which testifieth these things saith, Surely I come quickly. Amen. Even so, Lord, come. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ is with you all. Amen. Let's stand. The, uh, um, you know, I think you can, I think you would agree that through the, the course of this study, we have stayed with the book. I did not want to add to it. I did not want to take away from it. And, uh, uh, and I tried to explain it and let the Bible interpret itself. And so um, I, I guess if I were to say any one thing about what we studied, you do not want to miss the rapture. And missing the rapture is not because you go to church. It is living a life without spot or wrinkle. It's having a focus of God first. Now, we have a life, we live a life, but it's God first. If there's things that usurp and rise up where God becomes first or where something else becomes first, then God's not first. And, and God's serious about, he wants his house full. Most people don't take that serious. Well, you don't have to be in church every time. Well, that's your opinion. God said something different and illustrates something different. Well, the tithe is the Old Testament. Well, the Bible says, God said the tithe, the tenth of our increase is holy to him.
How can we take something that's holy to him and think it's not a spot or wrinkle in our garment? There's a lot of things that the church thinks that are not biblical, their opinions. There's a lot of pastors out there preaching things that is of their opinion and not biblical, or they're taking scriptures out of context in order to make it work. And there's people that are saying that you don't have to read the red letters of the Bible, that there is not a hell, only the devil's in hell or something like that. And it's not for We just read verses where people are going to hell and spending eternity in hell. Um, and, uh, and a lot of people believe that because they're a good person that they'll go to heaven. The Bible doesn't talk about good people going to heaven. It talks about people that receive Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior, uh, you know, uh, going to heaven. And so we've got to get back to a biblical basis. The Revelations is playing out before us right now. And it's just going to intensify, intensify, intensify. The one thing that we do all have is the right to live our life however we want. And, uh, and God will love us all the way to hell uh, if we choose that path. And he stands ready to try to pull us out of there. But, but we can create our own doctrines. I made a post the other day that says bad doctrine can kill you. Um, there's a lot of people with bad doctrines. Now, it's your doctrine. You may believe it, but, but you better want your doctrine to be what the Bible says, not your interpretation to make it feel good to you. And you want to be involved in what God is doing. You should be looking for ways to actively help his church expand uh, and do things. It's evangelism, talking to people, praying for people, uh, getting people into a more dedicated relationship with God. Uh, being part of the ministry of helps within whatever local uh, assembly a person uh, stands with. Not just doing one thing, but doing anything. And uh, man, I've, I've painted walls. I've, uh, man, I've done a lot of things within the church because the church needed help to do it. Things that I'm not skilled at. Go look at the wall. Um, <laughs> but, but I put my effort to help into it because the ministry needs help. And, uh, and so these things are given to us so that we can walk with God, have treasure in heaven, and uh, we, we've got to take the whole counsel of God. Heavenly Father, I thank you, Lord, for your word. God, open the eyes of our understanding, Lord. Let, let the words, even all the way from the very beginning, some 10, 12 weeks ago, whatever it was, let them resonate in our spirit that we get ourselves right with you. And Lord, I, I just uh, thank you for the, the insights that you've given us into this. Lord, as we dismiss here, give your angels charge over us to keep us in all our ways, Lord Jesus. And uh, we thank you, Lord, for your presence and power in our life. Help us clean ourselves up, Lord. If there's anything in our life, God, that is out of line with you, show it to us that we might know. In Jesus' name, amen. All right.